welcome to the Inspirational Living Podcast, brought to you in part by Book of Zen, makers of wearable inspiration for a better world. Today's podcast has been edited and adapted from a lecture by Dr. George Lincoln Walton, delivered to the Harvard Medical School in 1913. To stay calm in our stressful age means to achieve poise. And what I mean by poise is equanimity. The type of equanimity I have in mind is a purely practical one, such as the kind that will enable us to drive to work during rush hours without losing our temper. Not that I expect anyone permanently to attain this degree of equanimity, but I nevertheless will offer suggestions that cultivate such poise, to the extent at least of lessening our fears, of taking the edge off our acute resentments against things and persons, of modifying somewhat our impatience and materially curbing our worry. As a neurologist, it is my belief that nervousness would be rare if we simply could get rid of our needless fears and worries avoid swearing or even feeling like swearing, if we could argue without acrimony, could stifle our aversions, could resist the temptation to play the martyr, and could listen to criticism and ridicule without getting hot under the collar. Furthermore, I believe that if such an equilibrium could be attained, the actual amount of effective work in the world would be easily doubled. Not that people wouldn't get tired, but it would be a healthy tired, the kind a normal child has after a long day's play, not the kind of tired that puts you where you can't sleep if a clock ticks, but the kind that makes you relax every muscle in your body and sleep until the alarm rings, or if you don't sleep, makes you lie still in one position and think what a good time you are having instead of tossing, turning, and fussing about that eight hours of sleep on which you had set your mind. Unfortunately, we are not by nature so endowed that we can expect, without effort, to adopt the poise that ensures such slumber. Nor is it likely that the laws of heredity will be so far subverted that our descendants will be so constituted. But there is one thing we can do, and that is by training modify to a certain extent these faulty mental habits and take the edge off our fret and worry. In short, cultivate emotional poise. We may not fully succeed, but shouldn't we at least try to attain a more fretless, fussless, and unworrying manner of living? I asked this of a friend recently and he promptly answered, no. If everybody was like that, it would be a very boring world. However, I fancy that if such equanimity could be achieved, there would still be enough variety left in life to make up for missing the fun of being worried and getting mad. If we are to change our mental attitudes, we should begin by modifying them by suggestion. In attacking faulty mental habits, suggestion is the most potent agent at our command. There is nothing new or pseudo-scientific about the practical employment of self-suggestion toward achieving poise and equanimity. 
Lao Tzu urged his followers to guard their vitality by entering into harmony with their environment. And Cicero claimed that to learn to live without tumult is the best training for the fulfillment of a wish. Each of us would do well to absorb the following quotation from Marcus Aurelius. Begin the morning by saying to yourself, I shall meet today with the busybody, the ungrateful, arrogant, deceitful, envious, and unsocial. All these things happen to them by reason of their ignorance of what is good and evil. For by doing so, we might then begin to view these people with pity instead of resentment, realizing that their attitude toward us and their abuse of us has really nothing to do with us, but is merely a symptom of their ignorance. To prepare ourselves in this way to meet ridicule, abuse, and the like is no different than the sailor who was always prepared to put down the helm in a squall. Those who know how to sail a boat are aware that this is one of the first things learned, but we pay very little attention to learning how to run ourselves. As we work towards greater calmness in our stressful age, it is important to keep things in perspective. Fortunately, we are not called upon at present to cultivate emotional poise under the stress of such things as war and torture. Our aim is to simply cultivate emotional poise in the struggle of survival, in a battle of wit and wile, rather than dagger and pistol. Our concern is not so much for our physical safety as for our morals, our manners, our ideals, and our social, business, or professional standing. We live in an age where discretion is the better part of valor. The person who exercises this discretion is less at risk for harm, but does not see so much of life as the more forceful individual. It is true that the hypochondriac is prone to live longer, but what a life! The time has passed when the young child can say, and if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Now the prayer is more like this. Don't even mention death to me or I shall lie awake all night. Today's parents are raising children in ways that bring into prominence the little worries, that cause the tempest in the teapot, that bring about the worship of the intangible and the magnification of the unessential. If we had lived in another age, we might have dreamt of the eternal happiness of saving our neck. But in this one, we fret because someone said something that offended us. The ancient worry for the safety of life and limb has been replaced by such intangible fears as that of the lady who once consulted me because she was worried lest she should not succeed in getting into, quote, unity with the creative principle. In other words, we live in an age where we manufacture much of our own stress as we go along. I know at least one family in which most of the members make themselves miserable by fretting over each other's troubles. Every member is perfectly able to bear their own difficulties, and if each would limit their task to carrying their own, peace and happiness, not turmoil, would be gained. But some overconscientious people are afraid to be happy. In today's world, the primary emotion that we have to curb to preserve our equipoise is fear. I do not mean for a moment to include normal and legitimate fear, for that is one of the means which nature has given us for protection in time of danger. 
but we seem to be so constituted that the further removed we are from actual danger, the more we cultivate our fears. The safer we are, the more the obsession grows upon us to make ourselves absolutely safe, not only from real dangers, but from prospective and imaginary ones. As an example of the real but extremely remote dangers that obsess us, it is not so very rare to find persons who fear to fly in an airplane, to use a public toilet, to travel abroad, or to let their child play outside unsupervised. They have become so accustomed to safety that they want even more safety. This desire for absolute and unadulterated safety has become a fixed idea that dominates their life. Such persons are unfitted by their exaggerated fears to carry out their duties and enjoy the pleasures of life in the way other people do. Again, it is still more common to find individuals unduly solicitous and timid regarding their health. Such persons will avoid touching doorknobs and handshakes, and may even carry hand wipes with them wherever they go. Here again, we are dealing with dangers that are potentially real, but so remote that in the long run the fear does more harm than the danger. The fearful one should not be encouraged in their quest for absolute safety, but should rather be stimulated to add a cubit to their spiritual stature, to realize that life is full of dangers to be faced, not run away from, that danger is a feature of the game of life. When fear is preventing you from doing something that others do easily or enjoy, say to yourself, play the game. You'll never be quite safe till you're dead. Lest my lecture seem to favor indulgence and introspection and reflection at the expense of action, I will take this opportunity now to state my conviction that, for preserving emotional poise under stress, contemplation without action is of no avail, that nothing helps us better to keep our head than to use our hands, and that for the treatment of faulty mental habits, for foolish fears and needless worry, nothing is more effective than a steady job. In point of fact, the maxims that have helped me most are these. Play ball, get busy, and just do it. We don't have time right now to discuss the other ways in which emotional poise may be upset, besides through fear and anger. If we did, I might have devoted an equal amount of attention to such damaging mental habits as harboring a grudge, living in the past, playing the martyr and the like. But that is actually unnecessary because once our attention is called to our current line of thought, and once we are started on this line of mental training, the rest follows of itself. The chief obstacle to our training is our own attitude. Most of us would be glad to attain a high level of poise, but we are unwilling to take the trouble and to make the sacrifice. For example, we may have a pet aversion to baked beans and a rational fear of spiders. Theoretically, we are willing to undergo any sacrifice, but eat baked beans we will not, and calmly cohabitate with a spider we cannot. There we draw the line. Very well. In this event, the only kind of stress under which we are likely to gain emotional poise is under the stress of having everything our own way. Under these circumstances, 
neither this nor any other kind of training will avail, for we have not even made the preliminary step of altering our ideals. If we really mean business, we must first learn not to say, that is enough to vex a saint, but nothing is enough to vex a philosopher. The good Roman Emperor Antoninus Pius used to say that he preferred repairing the monuments of others to erecting new ones of his own. But to my mind, he left the most important monument of them all, when after composing himself for his last sleep, he gave to his servant the watchword he had chosen for the night. Equanimity. The Inspirational Living Podcast is a production of The Living Hour. For free transcripts of our podcasts, visit us online at livinghour.org. Today's podcast was sponsored in part by autosuggestion.io. Transform your life in 30 days. Discover the autosuggestion sound method at autosuggestion.io. And by Book of Zen makers of wearable inspiration and motivational gifts. Visit them online at bookofzen.com. Subscribe to the Inspirational Living Podcast by looking us up in the iTunes Store. If you're using an Android phone, download the Stitcher app and you'll find us on there. We deliver new podcasts twice a week, every Tuesday and Thursday. Thanks for joining us. I look forward to talking to you next time.